Hello and welcome to another episode of Travel with a Chance of Murder, the travel and true crime podcast where we take you through the tips and tricks of visiting destinations around the globe and follow it up with a true crime tale to try and scare you away a little bit. I'm Cassidy and I'll be your spooktacular storyteller, the host that walks you through each city or country's terrifying tale of true crime. On the other end of the mic, we have Allie, our travel guru, who takes us off of the bean path and helps us explore things we've never heard of, but definitely need to experience. Welcome back to another week of Travel with a Chance of Murder. Allie is gone. She's in Hawaii, which is why we covered Hawaii a couple weeks ago. But in her place, we have someone I'm super excited to chat with. He is someone I've known since I was in third grade, back to the times where kids chased each other on the playground. This is one of my longest friends. He is hilarious. He will have you laughing, I'm sure. Please welcome to the podcast, my dear friend, Kennedy. How's it going, everybody? Pressure's definitely on. Happy to be here. Uh, I wanted to talk about Elgin, Scotland today. So we're going we're gonna to go across the ocean and see what's happening over there. Yeah, so this surprised me quite a bit that you wanted to do Scotland. Um, for people who don't know, Kennedy and I grew up together in a very small town in the Pacific Northwest. So I knew that he had grown up in North Carolina. I would have bet money that he would have been like, we're going to Charlotte. And yet he threw me for a loop. He picked Scotland. So why Scotland? Well, um, I, was, I was thinking about doing North Carolina. And I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so originally I was going to do that. but then it felt like I would just be talking about hanging out with my cousins and <laughs> like seeing relatives and stuff. And then, you know, that I lived, I lived in Ferndale for a long time. Ferndale's not super exciting. No, it's not. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely not an expert um, in Seattle where I live now. And I spent some time in LA. I'm not an expert on LA either. So I figured if I'm not going to be an expert anywhere, I might as well choose something more interesting. And so I took a trip in 2018 to Scotland, and it's probably like my favorite place I've ever traveled to. I'm quite jealous. I haven't been to Scotland, but that goes right back down to why Allie and I started the podcast. I mean, it's a love for travel. It's a love of seeing new places and exploring things that you might not have known about if people hadn't told you. So, hey, you got to be that knowledge bringer for for our audience. So that's kind of cool that you'll maybe help people do things they didn't know about. Or maybe they didn't even know Elgin was a place, and now they're going to add it when they go to Scotland. Yeah, and I was just a tag-along to the trip. Um, my sister was going to a music school in Liverpool, so my parents were taking her to Scotland because we have some family over there um, who we stayed with, and then from Scotland to Liverpool. And I had just come home from L.A., and like I think a week before they left, they asked me if I wanted to go, too. That's so spontaneous. On, on like the best vacation I've ever been on, so serendipitous where shall we start our tour so as everyone probably knows scotland is famous for castles and so a lot of what i have to talk about are castles <laughs> um but the first one i figured i would start with one of the oldest ones i could find um it's called spiny palace and a lot of these are just open to the public um, a few of them you have to like talk to somebody before you go in but a lot of them are just open, and so you can go and walk around the castle however you'd like to. And so Spiny Castle was built in 1150, 
so like first century. And basically there's no real like history of the castle, like when it was being built or anything like that. Um, the oldest records of it are just from trade back and forth between countries and kingdoms. I thought that was kind of cool that it just kind of appeared. And then historically, we only know about it because of trade documents. Yeah. <laughs> it um, appeared it was, on the radar because someone bought it? Uh, yeah, because they started trading like l- lumber and um, like resources out of Spiny Castle. And so once they started documenting those trades, then like now we know about it historically. But in terms of there actually being a, like a, a building date, we don't really know like when it happened. So it, to me, it just kind of like popped up out of nowhere. That is cool. I read that it's super haunted. Um, when I was doing my research to pick my story out, one of the Catholic bishops, like one of the last really historical figures of the church was said to have like been based at Spiny. And he apparently like practiced black arts and did like magic where he summoned demons and evil spirits. So I'm not sure. Did you go to the castle when you were there? Yes. All the places that I'll talk about, I've, I've been to. Um, okay. I did not know that black magic was happening where I was walking around. So, okay. Well, that's good then. That doesn't have like a big sense of like eerie creepiness where you're like looking over your shoulder. No. Um, Spiny is really interesting though, because it has a big open room in the middle. And then like all the hallways and stairwells kind of go up uh around that big open room and so in the sense of doing black magic and stuff it's kind of spooky because you can imagine everybody up in the hallways just looking down on whatever ceremony they're doing like it could be a full-on like theater almost as like a main center point that's interesting yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay and then like any castle you know it has its dungeons and stuff like that so a lot of the time when we were exploring um we go up a stairwell and through a really, really narrow hallway and then end up in just like a stone room. Like there was obviously a, a dungeon for somebody at some point. Oh, like a cell? You're walking into someone's like, yeah. Ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> you think you're walking into like, you know, the next the next open part of the building or somebody's bedroom or something. And it's just, <laughs> it's like a prison cell when you get to the end. It's interesting that they didn't separate it. Like it wasn't down below. It was just kind of like with the rest of the living quarters. Yeah, so it, it's like a big um, rectangular perimeter. And so there's like the, the middle part is open and then you can walk up the stairs around the perimeter and stuff. And then that's when at certain times you end up in like holding cells and stuff, but it's all kind of connected. So after Spiny had been like besieged and stuff uh, too many times, Elgin Cathedral was set up and it's probably the most impressive building out of the ones that you can go see in my opinion like architecture wise or it's like dripping in like wealth and like diamonds and like very regal both because it's a cathedral you know they build it super tall and uh everything has to be really fancy and stuff so it's divine but um it's three kilometers away from spiny and it has basically at the front of it or these two massive pillars on either side with a big centerpiece that probably had stained glass or something um i wish i could show you pictures on the podcast but you can uh, share some on our our instagram or facebook so people can see oh okay cool that uh, all of this will make a lot more sense when people (laughs) see the pictures but it has a a big open uh circle where there was probably stained glass or something 
um, it's probably like five stories, five stories up. And um, basically at a certain point in the afternoon, if you're standing down in the yard, then the sun comes and fits perfectly into the circle. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's like the architecture is kind of like perfect. Um, and they knew to build this massive structure, like exactly in the right place and at the right height and everything. Like what way to face it too with the sun rising and setting. Yeah. And then now, um, you know, it's a cathedral, so there's graves and stuff like that, but you can go and see graves, um, that date back, uh, to like, you know, the 1200s and stuff like everything there is incredibly old, which I, I knew, but I never really thought about because of how young America is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we think of like, you know, uh, 1776 is like super, super long ago. And then you go over here and, and they're talking about replacing a castle in the 1200s. So <laughs> what's your thoughts on, um, have you heard of grave rubbings? Grave robbing? Um, rubbings, like they do it in the haunting of Bly Manor, like the little girl goes and like you take a paper and then you take a crayon and you like rub it over someone's like tombstone. No, but what happens when you do that? It's like an art thing is my understanding. Oh, okay. I was stuck on black magic. I thought that was <laughs> no, no from the dead. We're not summoning any zombies. <laughs> well, there's graves all over the place at this cathedral. And so that, that actually would be kind of interesting. I don't know if it's necessarily respectful to yeah to like be on someone's resting place and like but there is a ton of symbolism all over the graves and then anybody who knows about like secret groups or whatever there's like the skull and crossbones secret society um there's a lot of graves that like have the skull and crossbones symbolism and all that kind of stuff or like stone masons um a lot of the graves have those that was actually cool to see too that could be a whole episode that we dive into just talking about that stuff on my end probably talking about those like secret societies oh really yeah I was I was kind of surprised because I saw the skull and crossbones and thought it was just kind of a normal symbol anyway but then there's a bunch of the Freemasons just always makes me think of like national treasure (laughs) (laughs) but I I do have some I don't know if you're supposed to take pictures of graves or not but I do have some pictures um of the graves and stuff there too and you know you could look into who those people were and if they actually were part of those societies well I think that's the cool thing about graves they're like a reminder that people's stories can live on if you like actually want to figure out who these people are you totally could dive dive into it yeah and this one has a room set aside for like notable people and so while you're walking through the cathedral you know, you can go into a big open room that's probably like 20 feet by 20 feet that's just filled with different names and stuff of people who were important at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so we've hit the palace, we've hit a cathedral and a graveyard. What's step no- or stop number three? A lot of what you can do in Elgin is go to castles and then there's one car museum. Um, so my dad and I went to a car museum. And uh, I was just saying, just like everything else in Scotland, they kept all the old stuff. So they have uh, cars from 1904 and 1910 and some of the first models of Bentley and Rolls-Royce and Jaguar. Um, So like really, you know, famous, fancy cars. They have a 1937 BMW. But it's really cool if you're into cars, which my dad and I am. 
we went there um, for a day together and just looked at all these different cars. Just kind of like geeked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was funny to me because it's just, it does like the museum itself doesn't really fit with the rest of the town, in my opinion. I think it's in in an old mill. Like they, they used the mill to create a museum, but everything else in the town is like, you know, the cathedral or grave sites or stone buildings and all this stuff. And then you just have one building with super, super fancy cars in it. <laughs> that is like definitely a needle, not even a needle in a haystack because that'd be hard to find, but it just sticks out like a sore thumb. That's the right thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit of both. The thumb that got pricked by the needle in the haystack. <laughs> sure. Do you remember your favorite car from the museum? Yeah, there's a, a 1951 Fraser Nash, and I'm not expecting anyone to know what that looks like, but you can look it up. Uh, it's a beautiful car, but I really like it because it's a Nash, and my dad wanted to name me Nash instead of Kennedy. Oh, I didn't <laughs> so know that. When I was, yeah, he wanted to name me Nash after the car. My mom got in the way of that one and said uh, my name was going to be Kennedy instead. She vetoed that one and overruled it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I cannot picture you as an Ash for sure. Yeah, me neither. And my mom said people would make fun of me for like gnashing my teeth and stuff. But I don't know. <laughs> Kennedy, I, I've gotten enough flack for being named Kennedy. So I think it kind of goes either way. I think it, you would have gotten like a cool reputation for being like Steve Nash. Yeah, I've met I've met two people named Nash in my life, and uh, they were both really really cool. Yeah. So Miss maybe Merrill. there's something to it that I'm that I'm missing out on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's our our little break from castles, because uh, now we're back to castles. <laughs> we're heading back. Um, well, you weren't here last yeah. week, but Allie and I made a rule. And our rule on the podcast is, is if the town has a castle, you should just like make plans to go to it. Like it, you should just go. Oh, absolutely. I'm a hundred percent with that. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a, a strict podcast rule that you're about to tell me about. No, no, I was, no, no. I was like, I really wish you would have told me before we started recording. <laughs> no warning. Just this is how it is. Yeah, but no, that's that's a good rule. And in Scotland, basically, you'll never run out of options. So, Cawdor Castle, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Cawdor Castle was more modern than the other ones that we went to. So it was like the 1500s say, instead of the 1200s? Right, it's still super <laughs> old. It's from the 16th century, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And so, it, it, you can imagine more like William Shakespeare style or like Victorian looking rooms and all that. So it's a little bit fancier and I guess a little bit more up to date, but it has really cool rooms and stuff in it too that I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had some haunted information about this one too. I don't, that one did not come up in my research. Oh, okay. Um, they had a, a very special like prison that was different than all the other castles where it was kind of like hard to get to. You had to climb through like this little tiny hole in the rock wall. And then inside that hole was the dungeon. And then there was like a big metal pipe going up the middle where I'm assuming people would be chained up. <laughs> yeah, to like stop but people it, to escape. They had those kind of like measures where you had to go through this to go through that to get to the prison. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was, it was like the most intimidating prison out of any of, of them that I saw. 
so I was I always thought that that one might be haunted but don't know it sounds pretty hardcore it definitely sounds like people could have spent their last days there um doesn't sound like anyone could really escape oh yeah for sure I might be remembering wrong but I'm pretty sure there's like a tree or something inside the dungeon or like a piece of a tree that had grown through the foundation of the castle I wasn't able to find anything on that specifically but I'm pretty sure there's like a tree inside there and then no one ever touched the tree so it was just in there for you know hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. but yeah if any of your listeners are so inspired by this podcast that they want to go to Scotland <laughs> um, go to Cawdor Castle <laughs> for sure because uh, there's also like big gardens and stuff out in the back that are really crazy um, there's like a plant labyrinth type of thing or like a labyrinth made out of hedges with yeah. some really cool statues in the middle. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Who doesn't love a good set of plants? Yes. <laughs> when you don't have to upkeep it, gardening's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the one keeping up with that garden. But <laughs> whoever does it, <laughs> does a really, really good job. I'm trying to think of something to compare it to, but I can't. The garden itself is just like unbelievable when you're in there. And, and I'll send you pictures of that too. Okay, so there's two reasons to go see it. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of what I'm talking about would be great on like a slideshow presentation. (laughs) That you just like talk over. Well, that is not the format we picked. Sorry, you guys will have to have a mental picture from our very limited description. (laughs) Yeah, this is a good, this is a good exercise of the imagination. It's a good call to action though, to go check out our website and like our Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't know, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Go see it for yourself. And then I can just briefly mention Jeff's Castle. I don't need to talk about it a lot, but that was uh, like the best fortified castle in terms of like uh, withstanding attacks and all that kind of stuff. That's another one people should go see for themselves. It's on a big mound and it used to have a moat built around it. So it's like the very traditional uh, image of a castle where it's like up on the hill with the moat surrounding it. It's cool that all three castles are pretty different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. None of them are like each other other than made out of stone. (laughs) So and then if you are going to Elgin more than the castles, I would say go to a distillery because there's tons of them out there. And my dad and I went to Glen Grant Distillery uh, and they give you like a tour. They teach you how the scotch is made. Uh, You get to taste a bunch of different scotches and they're they're all like, you know, specialty drinks and stuff. So my dad and I ended uh, we'd spent like the last day of our trip by going to a distillery and getting that tour. We ended up buying a 12-year-old, it was either 12-year-old or 14-year-old scotch that we uh, only open on special occasions. But um, that's also super fun to do. I feel like, like that's a, yeah, like a lesser known thing. Like everyone knows Guinness in Ireland. I feel like that's pretty easy to come to mind. But I don't know if like I necessarily would make the jump that Scotland and Scotch. Okay, actually, now I say them out loud, and they sound yeah. so similar, yeah, like, and I feel silly. Say it. <laughs> okay, well, good to know. Maybe I need a drink after <laughs> saying something dumb like that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not an expert either, so uh, <sighs> I I only remember that because I went to a distillery in Scotland. That Scotch comes from Scotland, but just uh, you know, future facts. I'm pretty sure bourbon is from Kentucky. Scotch is from Scotland. Yeah. And Irish whiskey, believe it or not, is from Ireland. So 
That I I cannot believe it. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, that's uh pretty much all we did on our trip. Castles, car museum and uh distillery. Well, I would love to go follow in your footsteps. It sounds like a big, amazing, fun tour. How many days did you have there? Um, I think we were there for five days. Okay. But if you like had uh, to, I've, could you jam it pack it into like two? Um you could try. It might be kind of hard to see all the castles and stuff because you do have to drive um, mm-hmm. between a couple of them. So, like Spiny and Elgin Cathedral are really close by. So you can do that in no time. Cawdor Castle, I can't remember exactly how far it is, but it's a little bit more of a drive. So if you did all the castles in two days, you know, you might want to split them up like Spiny and Elgin Cathedral in one day. And then the other two, Cawdor and Duffus Castle on the next day. But if you're doing that, you probably won't have time to go to a distillery or or drive out to the coast or anything like that. So it's like better to draw it out and take your time. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me about some some murders or <laughs> or dark crimes that happen in this beautiful place. It seems well, really peaceful. Yeah, it's uh, it it is pretty peaceful. It was hard for me this week, and so I was. Kind of going back to the drawing board, Allie and I did Scotland a few episodes ago, back in episode 27. So we went to Glasgow. Uh, we talked about Dr. Pritchard and I talked about the human crocodile, but that was my second choice story because I was going to do this one, but I, it was like too far away from, for me to be able to kind of make it work. So this one is actually about an hour outside of Elgin. So I was like, okay, that's close enough. I can make that work. So I hope this isn't a disappointment to you because it's like not necessarily like crime, crime, but I'm doing my own personal take on the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, nice. We're talking about Nessie. (laughs) I was, I was expecting a murderer or a bank robber at least, (laughs) Um, but I don't know. I, I hear Nessie is worth all the gold in Scotland if you find him, so... Hey, worth worth talking about, in my opinion. I was like crossing my fingers. I almost asked you because I was like, oh, I hope he hasn't already heard this over and over again while he was over there. But I was just like, I've been wanting to cover it for a really long time, but I didn't want to to do it when I had the human crocodile. And it was like a really good story. It was a good murder. It was too far away from Glasgow for me to do the Loch Ness Monster. So here we are in a whole nother episode where I finally get to cover it. Yeah, no, I'm, I love the Loch Ness Monster. I know almost nothing about it um, other than what I saw. There's like a Scooby-Doo episode that I saw. <laughs> um, so teach me about it. Are you a believer? Let's start with that. Um, I'm not a disbeliever, I okay. would say, because I have no idea. And so maybe there's some sort of big fish or something. Mm-hmm. that people are seeing. I don't think stories like that just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, but I don't I don't think it's some big dinosaur that's living in in Scotland. All right. And nowhere well, else. Let's dive into it. I'll give you all of the theories. But for people who have actually never heard of the Loch Ness monster before, I will tell you that it is an animal that is allegedly <laughs> living in the Loch Ness. Haha, <laughs> that's the name of the actual lake that it lives in. Um, and it's in a part of Scotland called Everness, which is, like I said, about an hour outside of Elgin. 
the first tales of the aquatic beast date back 1500 years ago with scholars of the monster having some references to Nessie around 500 AD. So it is a very old tale. They've been seeing this for, like I said, 1500 years. And oh, okay. The- so he's dead and gone for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> broke my heart. I won't, I won't, yeah, I won't count him out yet. But he's super old. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, ancestors of the OG Loch Ness Monster. So we get this first reference. They dated him back to 500 AD because they found some strange aquatic creature standing stones near Loch Ness. They, like, carved it, I guess. So they had, like, carvings that look like what they later saw to be the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, weird. I didn't know that. So... Loch Ness is located in the highlands of Scotland. It's a freshwater lake, and it has the largest volume of freshwater in Great Britain. So there's a little fun tidbit. At the deepest point of the lake, the lake reaches nearly 800 feet and has about 23 miles of a length. So there's plenty of a room for a monster to hide in there. Yeah, and maybe that's why no one's found him yet. Yeah, there's lots of little hiding places and crevices. 800 feet is like so deep. Hiding way too deep. Exactly. Um, so we got carvings in 580, but the earliest actual written reference to the monster is in the 7th century when a biography of St. Columba, who is actually known to be an Irish missionary, and it was the one who introduced Christianity to Scotland, he was around in 565 A.D., And his biographer talked about in his book about how St. Columba was on his way to visit the king of the northern Picts near Iverness. And he stopped at the lake to confront a beast that had been killing people in the lake. So there was this like chatter about people dying in the lake. So the saint went to the lake to see, okay, what monster is killing all these people? And that's like the first written reference to it, which again is like 565 AD. That's so long ago. So apparently St. Columba actually did see the monster. He said that he saw a large beast about to attack another man. And being a saint, he invoked the name of God and commanded the creature to go back with all speed. And the monster retreated and never harmed anyone else. Wow. So maybe it's like a demon in the water. Uh, Maybe. That's not a terrible theory. But this is kind of like (laughs) where it's weird to me. (laughs) It's what our podcast Maybe it's just my research has a big gap, but I had I don't have any like reference to the Loch Ness monster from 565 AD to like 1933. So either I missed a story or two, or like no one saw the Loch Ness monster for a good thousand years. So we'll see. That's where I was saying maybe he's dead and gone. Maybe he was real at some point and he yeah. died, and then in 1930 uh, or whenever you, you said 1930s. Somebody found the stories and was, you know, adamant that it was still real. That's a good theory. I like that. I can, I could see that happening. But anyway, I will jump into the sighting. So 33. Okay. There's this like road around the lake that they were building. And in 1933, that's when the road actually finished. And it was a very pretty scenic drive. It offered these like beautiful views of the lake. It was an unobstructed view. You could like see right into the lake. So in April of 1933, there was a couple that saw an enormous animal, which they figured or compared it to a dragon or prehistoric monster. 
they said it crossed their car's path and then disappeared into the water. So that's kind of weird because it's like land and water. Yeah, I didn't know you could come out of the water. I didn't think so either. But that is what their account said happened. And it was actually published in the Scottish newspaper. And a lot of other reports of sightings quickly followed after it. So I don't know if that's a case of like panic of other people where they heard about the story and then they also saw something. So they're like, oh, I also saw it. But they're also like, we're a big jump in sightings after that. If you were alive today, he would never get away with something like that because people would have their phones on him immediately. Yeah, exactly. There would definitely be like five seconds to hide if even by the time like you navigated (laughs) to the camera, but it's only the thirties. So December of 33, the Daily Mail actually has heard so much about this story that they're like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this. And they send a big game hunter. It's like a hunter basically to find the serpent. So this hunter goes and reportedly finds footprints of a large four-legged animal who he says is a very powerful soft-footed animal. He estimates the animal to be about 20 feet or six meters long. And then, of course, the Daily Mail gets this feedback back and they publish a headline that reads, Monster of Loch Ness is not a legend, but a fact. (laughs) Which I can only imagine like getting printed sometime these days. People would freak out. Yeah, it'd be pretty heated. But I also I also wonder if they do that kind of stuff to get people over to the lake, like as a, a tourist attraction ploy, you know? Yeah, that's a great point like, because scores of tourists actually did descend to Loch Ness to go wait for an appearance of the beast. So it totally could have been just like a very well-calculated tourist ploy. Yeah, you and I could just back each other up that we saw a monster in in the Nooksack River. Yeah, just walk on down to uh, like the local paper and publish our account. Yeah, and if we get enough people to get in on the story, Burndale could become like a booming tourist spot. And then next time on the podcast, we can (laughs) talk about Burndale. We'll actually be able to talk about our hometown. The big game hunter finds these footprints. So they send plaster casts of the footprints to the British Natural History Museum. And the museum reports back that they are the tracks of a hippopotamus. <laughs> so they're like, okay, obviously there's not a hippopotamus in Scotland. So he obviously kind of like faked it. There's, you know, controversy, but the sightings continue on. People still claim to have seen things. Um, in 34, an English physician photographs the alleged creature. And it's actually named the surgeon's photograph because Again, he was an English physician. (laughs) So uh, the photo showed a dinosaur-like creature with a long neck appearing out of the water. So this is where people began to think that he's a dinosaur. They thought that he would be like the long extinct plus. I'm not sure if I can say the actual species of the dinosaur. Um, Try it out. Plosaurus? Plosaurus? Plosaurus. Let's go with Plosaurus. All right. (laughs) So the aquatic Plosaurus were thought to have died with the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. So they figured this is like a descendant or a like the only survivor, but it doesn't make sense if that's the case because Loch Ness froze during the recent ice ages. So if Nessie is actually a descendant or part of this like dinosaur species, the creature would have had to make it all the way up to the river Ness from the sea in the past 10,000 years. 
and this species of dinosaurs cold-blooded so they wouldn't be able to survive in like a cold water like Loch Ness. Yeah, that sounded really plausible up until the cold-blooded part. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think about it? You're like, okay, yeah, it could have totally made its way upriver. And then you're like, wait, no, it's too cold. Couldn't have happened. I started thinking like, you know, during the ice age, maybe water levels rose and then when they dropped, you know, the dinosaur mm. got dropped into the Loch Ness and had no way out. Yeah, it got but, trapped there, yeah. Yeah, if it can't survive cold water, then I don't know what it's doing in Scotland. So uh, Another popular theory is that Nessie's a primitive whale that has this like crazy neck. This species, again, was thought of to be extinct for 18 million years. So people are like, okay, like maybe this is like something it could be. So, you know, theories were tossed around and people kind of began to take it up into their own hands to figure out, is Nessie real? What is Nessie if Nessie's still around? So amateur investigations began, and they kind of continue still. So the first investigation kicked off in 1960-ish, and they began to use sonar to trek through the very deep water. I think I said it was like 800 feet deep, so you need some sonar for that. (laughs) They didn't get anything conclusive, um, but they did find some like large underwater objects that were moving that they couldn't explain. So like, again, very broad. Another investigation happened in 87 and 2003, which is like weird. Cause that's like our time, you know, 2003 is not very long ago. Yeah. In 94, the famous photograph of the surgeon that I mentioned, it was deemed to be fake they like discredited it they found the monster was actually a plastic and wooden head that was attached to a toy submarine is that the duck the one that looks like a duck yeah i think so yeah yeah. okay sad because it's fun to keep the mystery alive 2018 researchers conducted a dna survey of loch ness to see what organisms were living in the water they did not find any kind of plasar oh i just said it plus the dinosaur they didn't have any dna signs of the dinosaur but they did find a ton of eels so they were like okay is maybe the monster an oversized eel eh? oh, that seems that seems more likely seems more like possible but again very open-ended have you ever seen the movie the princess bride uh, no oh dang okay well there's a scene in that where there's like screeching eels and they're swimming at people in the water. And I can totally see the Loch Ness being mistaken if it was that kind of eel. I mean, that, maybe. Okay. As of right now, that's the most likely theory to me. That's leading. Okay. Well, let mm-hmm. me tell you, 2020 is what year we're in, right? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, in June of 2020, baffles my mind, there's a new image that came about that sparked new interest in the Loch Ness. And that's because Sonar picked up a mystery image 190 meters deep in Scotland's Loch. And it is supposedly like the most compelling evidence that Nessie is real. The solid Sonar image um, is about 10 meters long and it was detected by director Ronald McKenzie, who actually is the founder of Cruise Loch Ness. Which again, that makes me nervous now that we had that whole conversation around tourism and like stirring up things um, yeah. because he owns this like cruise of, of the lock, but he was skippering a boat with technology and 
you know, found this like 10 meter long random thing um, in the lock. And it's something that is said to be feeding on eels and trout. And a sonar expert looked at it and said it's legit. So there's definitely something in the lake. We just don't know what it is. So maybe Nessie is out there working. So is there a, is there like an image of the sonar reading that shows something like, you know, 10 meters long? <sighs> yeah, I think there's like a, a gray or like a black circle, you know, nothing like super exciting, but it shows like oh, okay. a blimp in the sonar basically is what it shows, but it's recent. It's like June of 2020. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of travel restrictions this year. So tourism is probably down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably just trying to beef it back up. I will say there's um, a fact that I pulled that says in the early 21st century, the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster contributed nearly $80 million to Scotland's economy. Dang. We'll keep it going. Yeah. yeah. And that's annually. So people are headed to the Loch to try and see Nessie still to this day. People want to know. Yeah. It's too bad that, uh, that you'd have to like spend your whole life camping out just to maybe get a glimpse of it. Yeah. To, like, I'd like maybe. to go for just one more week. Yeah. And see, see Nessie. I could see it being like such say, an though, addictive search to like, you think you see something and you're like, Oh my gosh, there she is. Like, I have to stay. Like I was so close. Yeah. Or you give up. And then that guy comes out in 2020 <laughs> saying that there's something that's 10 meters long in the water. Yeah. Oh, that'd be crushing. I will say though, my last name for everybody listening is McLaurin, which is Scottish. And the origins of my last name go back to, I think, 530 AD. So around the same time as the Nessie story. And the McLaurins, like, originally, like, the very first McLaurin was this guy who went down to a river or a lock. And then a mermaid came out of the water and gave birth to a McLaurin. <laughs> so... <laughs> So there is a chance that uh, that the Nessie story is a little bit exaggerated. Yeah, she's been hanging out with the mermaids for 1,500 yeah. years. I haven't seen a whole lot of mermaids, so I don't know how credible <laughs> how credible the origin stories are in Scotland. Well, either way, it makes for a fun mystery. Um, who knows? Yeah, I do hope that Nessie's real. I would way rather have Nessie be real than just a, a tourism ploy. Yeah, if leprechauns are real, Nessie's real. <laughs> but that sums up our show for the week. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed having Kennedy along with us. It's been great to have you. I really appreciate you jumping on with me to, to chat about Scotland and Elgin. Yeah, this was super fun. And I'm, I'm glad we got to do Scotland. Allie will be back next week. And we'll see you for um, our next destination somewhere around the globe. On behalf of the flight crew, thank you for flying with us and have a pleasant day.